previously on Creek Chat. It's Dawson's fucking Creek, dude. And yeah. I get this freshman in college to kiss me while I'm a sophomore in high school. Because that's not weird at all. Yeah, I mean, it is weird, dude. She's 16. And he's a TA, so he's got to be at least, I don't know, 20? Probably older. And that's why I'm like, I'm like 16. I don't even know really how to describe the look that he gives AJ. It's kind of quizzical. It's kind of cautious. It's kind of... It's kind of... Dude, she's 16. I ain't trying to take advantage of you. I will stick around and be your friend. I'm more yeah, likely... he's like, man, I ain't trying to kiss no 16-year-old boy. No fuck zone. Inappropriate. For so many reasons. Yeah. More age-appropriate relationships. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you hydrate yourself with a fucking Diet Coke? No fucking Bodie the next three-pack. Hashtag found. Bodie is back at the bread and breakfast. Hail Satan. Phone us. 1-900-CREE-CHAT. 999 a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and anybody who falls in between or outside of those distinctions, welcome to Creek Chat. I'm your host, JT Potter Pantalones Money, and with me, my co-host as always... Well, I'm actually a guest. I'm sorry, see, I... I got caught up in the moment, and as I was saying co-host, I thought to myself, that's inaccurate. This is my favorite guest. My name is Chucky B, and I'm uh, super relaxed today. Super relaxed fit of this jersey that I'm wearing. That's true. It's not a tank top this week, Chuck. No, it's a Detroit Lions Joey Harrington jersey, so... Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that's that's throwing it back. Uh, but we're not really here to talk about the Detroit Lions or Joey Harrington. We're here to talk about another Joey for sure. Uh, but we're also here to talk about episodes 13 through 15 of season three of Dawson's Creek. Uh, if you're new to the show, for some reason, you're jumping in right here. Thank you. Uh, I know Chuck loves you. Yeah, I definitely do. Love you. Love you lots. I appreciate... Not LOL, laugh out loud, but LOL, love you lots. LOL. I appreciate you being here. Uh, if you are coming back, if you're a long-time listener, I, I think at this point I probably love you. And I'm certain that Chuck does. LOL. LOL, baby. F-F. Double F for shaw for show. Let's talk about your predictions, Chuck. Let's talk about your predictions for episode... Get it, got it, get it, done. Yeah. Episode 13, Northern Lights. You predicted that in this episode we're going to get some sort of advancement towards Pacey and Joey. That's an accurate statement throughout this entire three-pack. Here's... All right, here's fresh take JT money in this episode. I'm going to look at your predictions a little bit differently than I have in the past and fully acknowledge the fact that if you make a prediction that falls anywhere within the three-pack of episodes... During any of the episodes, I'm going to give you credit. This was broad and vague, and I think we were going to head in that direction anyway. But I'm still going to give you credit. You're right. We got advancement in that direction. We get full-out acknowledgement at this point that Pacey is into Joey. By the end of it, Definitely. by the end of it, we know for sure Joey is 
thinking about it. But we don't really know exactly where she stands on the romantic side of it. Just as she appreciates his friendship very much by the end. And we'll talk about why. You say Pacey has fully realized his feelings for Joey because he watched her sleep. And what better way to go uh, than under the stars and look at the northern lights. Now Joey goes out to look at them with AJ and actually sees them with Dawson. So you're... Yeah. There was definitely Northern Lights Weird. happening. You're going to think, you'd like to think, we'll see Ethan and Nikki. No Ethan, but we do see Nikki. Ethan doesn't show up for the whole three-pack. He comes in, gay guru, and then he disappears. No problem. I think they made mention of I think he had to go back to prep school or something. Doesn't make sense. Or not prep school. He's, he's old. College. That's the thing. He's old. And Jack is a fucking sophomore in high school. Right? Junior. I-16 is junior. Ridiculous. Uh, Everyone in the Creek Gang will be underneath the sky, which I'm sure at some point during their day was true. (laughs) (laughs) Knock it out, home runs, baby. You do say this is going to be a sky episode. People are going to be looking at it. Like You had to clarify... This is a sky episode. Dude, it's true. There was a party. Uh, Unless my joke prediction of them getting high on weed is correct. Uh, To quote you directly, and that's not correct. Let's talk about what is... Well, it was a joke prediction. I know, I know. But the way you phrased it, high on weed, uh, I thought was really funny. (laughs) Hi. Oh, mate, let's go get... Let's get high on some weed. Oh, you want to go get high? You want to get high on some weed? Come on, governor. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a joke prediction for a reason. I know. That was a joke. It was a good hearty har har. That was a joke accent. I'm really sorry to everyone for that, including myself. No, nah, it was all right. Let's talk about what really happened on Northern Lights. Dawson, lacking inspiration, makes the radical move of dropping out of film class to spend some time reevaluating his life. Meanwhile, Joey is torn between attending Pacey's opening night and her date with AJ, who has come to Capeside for the evening. At the play, Andy must take over as director when Mr. Broderick falls ill. And he's so such a dramatic little punk bitch about that, too. Like, weeping in the nurse's office, clutching his director's binder. Oh, I hate that teacher. Yeah, what was it that he had? Some kind of, like, portfolio of all his director's notes and... No, no. Oh, like, a kidney stone. Sickness. A kidney stone is what he said. He's going to go home and have his wife take care of him. By what? Pulling the kidney stone out of his urethra? Yeah, he's just going to have to go pee. It's going to be awesome, too. Also, Jen agrees to meet Henry, but she throws him another block by bringing Grams as her date. And Grams is just as fucking surprised, too. Like, that's what killed me about it. Like, yeah. Grams wasn't even in on the plan. Grams like, you know, I want to not come had i not known that henry was coming oh grams wants to come let's talk about your predictions for episode 14 the valentine's day massacre so you start out by asking if this is one of those scary episodes which unfortunately it wasn't after you guessed it i was like man in an alternate universe this should have been a scary episode i'll fuck with that you say it's gonna be the first date of pacey and joey no wrong let's uh, let's see what else we got here but you start saying here's the interesting part about it though because your guess about how their date goes parallels how henry and jen's date goes um they're gonna try it and it's not gonna go right but it's not gonna go so wrong that it dissuades the two of them starting to feel feelings for each other so you just 
put it on the wrong couple. So again, in, yeah, in new that was good. That was good uh, side guess. New free flow and free form JT money. I'm gonna take that and give you credit for it. Boom, you got it. Hey, that's, how credit. We're, that's how we're rolling here. We're more generous on Creek Chat these days. Uh, you feel like Dawson's going to be slightly aggravated. Well, none of that's relevant as far as Dawson, so I don't even need to talk about that. You did predict, predict Jen and Henry would go on a date, uh, and he was going to try to get some ass at the bass, but not not really that, though. You had to clarify, but it was a good joke. Very funny. Um, they're just going to try to get better acquainted. Uh, you think that one goes well. And in the end, it does go well. It was a cute little jello moment. Eventually, Yeah, they had a cute little jello moment at the end. I mean, I don't know. Hey, there's always room for jello when you're in the hospital for giving too much blood. Try to get some fetties so you can buy your girl a fucking ring. I want to talk about that one. With pinky ring. No, I got I got something to talk about. That's not even your girl yet. <sighs> that, oh, man. More interesting tension between Dawson and Nikki throughout the three-pack. And at some point this season, those two are going to test the waters. That's the vibe I'm getting. No really hint towards that at all in this three-pack. Nikki just kind of... No, not really. Although Nikki's pissed that Dawson drops out of the fucking film class. So that's my problem here. And this is, again, I see your frustration with the disappearance of Bodie. When you take a character like Nikki... With Ethan, okay, you said we got an explanation why he's not there, and it makes sense why he's not there. But it doesn't make sense to me why Nikki Green would disappear over the next two episodes entirely, really. After, in the first episode, she is very clearly disappointed Dawson's gone and says in a way that means more than it is, like it is on the creek, like, I don't want another partner. She's clearly feeling a vibe off of Dawson, but Dawson is so self-absorbed in his own shit right now, which may be good for him. Maybe I shouldn't be judging that. Maybe it's not a good time for him to date someone. But she's putting it out there, it feels like. But then she's just gone. Gone. I don't know. Maybe she's like, maybe she's just thinking to herself, she's like, I don't know. I put it out there and I got to wait for Dawson to respond. Let's talk about what really happens on uh, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Joey questions Dawson's state of mind when he and Pacey decide to lead her and their friends to a secret location party at a golf course hosted by Matt Caulfield, a wealthy and snobbish student connected to a clique of spoiled rich kids from school, infamous for their complete and utter debauchery. Meanwhile... Jack's ex-girlfriend, Kate Douglas, arrives from Rhode Island for a visit while nursing a broken heart, but is unaware of Jack's coming out. Also, Jen's first date with Henry is a Valentine's Day she won't soon forget when he passes out after donating four pints of blood to pay for the romantic dinner at a fancy restaurant. Oh baby, the fourth pint was for a Hungarian blood red ring. It wasn't all for dinner. My God. Yeah, and didn't he have like, didn't he do some work there to get the dinner for free? Like, I don't know if they said that the restaurant they went to was the same fancy bass restaurant from before. I'm assuming it was. Maybe there was a sign that I didn't read because it didn't have Nick Cage reading a book on it. But let's assume that it was. Let's assume it was the bass that they went to. But again, how much did that ring cost? I don't know, man. It's Hungarian rose gold. What was it? Fire gold? Rose gold? I, I don't remember. It sounded something like... It sounded like some shit from Harry Potter, like a dragon from Harry Potter, the Hungarian horntail. Either that or something that, like, isn't good. It was good enough for a 15-year-old kid to be buying his not-quite-yet girlfriend for her 
and it was a little too small, so it only fits on her pinky. I think that's a perfect finger for a ring from a non-boyfriend should go on your pinky. It's perfect. It's a great. It's a great finger. I like the pinky. Underrated finger for rings, honestly. Maybe not. Maybe it's perfectly well rated, but I rate it high. Let's talk about how you predicted things for episode 15, Crime and Punishment. Off the wall, Crime and Punishment, right? Right off the bat, you're incorrect. This episode was on the wall. Joey's mural. Boom. But but I like your prediction. I really do. You said we're going to see a little insight into Frank Potter in prison. Joey's going to be going for some reason. And she's going to be like, nah, fuck you, dog. You're nobody to me. You're just a fucking person. I hope I never see you again. And then we're done with Frank Potter forever. Now, obviously, this episode wasn't about Frank Potter. But I want to ask you, in conjunction with that prediction, do you think we'll ever see Frank Potter again on the show? Or was the season two arrest of Frank Potter his swan song? Yeah, I think we'll see him at the wedding and series finale. Okay. All right. I think that's a, that's a safe bet because you're still holding out to the fact that he shows up again. And if he does show up sooner, you're still going to get credit because it's fucking freewheeling JT money. And I'm just giving credit left and right. So you say there's going to be no fucking Bodie in this three pack, which turns out to be wrong. They, they tease. Yeah, they, uh, up until the last fucking minute. I mean, but they tease it in the first episode by bringing him up and saying, oh, yeah, Bodie got the door. And I'm like, oh, is Bodie going to come in after he gets the door? No, he doesn't. We don't see Bodie at all. <laughs> Not until the last episode where yeah, he sneaks in. Well, actually, he's there pretty much early on in the third episode when they're talking about going to see the mural. And he even makes a second appearance at the school. So I wrote down a note in valentine's day massacre episode where mitch tells dawson that you know he's gonna start working at gail's restaurant until he figures things out and i'm all like way to go gail follow your dreams at least this show follows through with some of its secondary characters. Hashtag nowhere to be seen. Hashtag disappearing trick. Hashtag where's Bodie. Oh, but I guess I was a little too fucking quick on the draw because he shows up in episode three and I'm all like, all right, Bodie, I, I respect it. And I'm a little angry that I jumped the gun. But you know what? Still... Fuck you. Show up earlier. All right. I got a couple of things here real quick. One of them's got to do with Bodie. So he missed holidays. He missed important moments in his young son's life. But once he's shown back up, he's managed to show up to two very important things. A bed and breakfast opening and the unveiling of Joey's mural. Like, you know, just big stuff that maybe you wouldn't even think... That he would show up at. Well, maybe the bed and breakfast thing. But the mural, I could see, you know. I could see him not being there for that. But at the same time, I was happy to see him show up for that specifically. Because I was like, this is a big event in someone in your life. Why aren't you there? I mean, then again, he wasn't there for Thanksgiving. So. All right. So we're going to talk about that Gale thing a bit later. I was going to bring it up now, but I got a little bit to say. I don't want to 
do that quite yet before I cut into the breakdown for Crime and Punishment. Hashtag follow your dreams. Joey is chosen to be part of a group of students to paint a school mural, but when hers is defaced before the unveiling, Dawson offers words of encouragement while Pacey takes action and risks suspension when he goes in search of the culprit whom he suspects to be Matt. When Andy's PSAT scores rank amongst the best in the country, she feels tremendously guilt-ridden and gambles with everything she has worked for by telling Principal Green about the previously stolen test. Also, Pacey moves in with his brother, Doug, when their divorced sister and her kids move back into the winter house and take over Pacey's room. <laughs> she is kind of discovered because this is the first... All right, it's the second confirmation we have that Pacey has at least a sister, although they say there are more than one sister. Yeah, I think there's at least two sisters. I'm certain there's at least two sisters. So Pacey is at the very least one of four. Here's what I really like, because the way they've given us Doug so far, it doesn't feel like I'm getting shortchanged when he doesn't show up. Because they haven't really made him integral to anything. He's the butt of a bunch of whole lot of really shitty gay jokes, but... He's the, and that's the that's the thing. He's the butt of jokes and someone who can drive home that Pacey's family treats him like shit. But out of nowhere in this set of episodes, he comes in and while he does the hard cop thing when he is supposed to do it because he's a cop and these kids are doing something illegal, he shows a very tender and caring side towards Pacey in a lot more ways than just taking him in. And I thought that was really good to see that dimension of Doug that we'd never seen before. Now I'm even going to call him Doug for the first time instead of Dougie. Yeah, there was a nice uh, little development of that character, which, like you said, he's a character that they've made seem forgettable, but we know he's there. And so he can kind of slide in and out because there's they. it'll be harder, I think, for him to slide in and out now especially if they show pacey at home i guess that's easily explainable that he's a cop so he's on duty that's why he's not there well the easiest thing is for whatever reason his sister and kids move back out and he's just back with his parents again you know like this doesn't have to be something that goes on potentially again no commentary on what actually happens but this could be something that's over within the next three pack you know and he's back home with mom and dad for whatever reason i don't I'm not going to say, but I do like the dynamic of seeing Pacey over there. It's perfect because Pacey needs someone to talk to about Joey. And it can't be Dawson, and it can't be Joey, and it can't be Andy. And I don't think he's that cool with Jack, even though he calls him his Chewbacca at one point in this three-pack. So you just put Dougie in the role. Doug can use his elderly brotherly wisdom to say you don't get that butterfly feeling all the time, man. You got to chase it. I think he's cool with Jack. I think he no, would feel kind of cool. talking to Jack about it. That's just what I mean. Because of Andy, he dated Andy. No, I agree. That's I'm not saying like they're not cool. He called him his Chewbacca. Once he's actually dating Joey, then I feel like it'll be easier for him to actually confide in Jack or talk to Jack about it. I don't think he really talks. Jack to Jack also her. knows Joey, but I don't think he really talks to or confides in Jack about anything. I don't really think he talks to or confides. In to anyone right now except for Joey and Dawson. But it's not like he's got a large group of people he spills his guts to. Pacey keeps it pretty yeah. much, keeps it pretty fucking tight. All these kids really do, except for when they 
boil over and make a public scene, which occasionally happens. Yeah, sometimes it's gotta happen when you're fucking living on the creek. Well, the, Hashtag creek life. There was a public scene during Northern Lights, but that was a play that apparently Pacey was just born to do, man. This guy's a natural born actor. Despite the nerves beforehand, he goes out there and just fucking tears it down. That's the impression I got, at least. Oh, yeah, like, it looked like he did a fantastic job. Well, you open up the episode with him and Joey at the B&B, and they're running lines against each other, and you can tell he's fucking nervous about this shit. He's like, I can't remember my lines. Not one episode in this three-pack opens up in the bedroom. Nope, not a one. There's not a whole lot of bedroom time in this one. Dawson's out there reevaluating, man. The walls are bare. What do we need to be in the bedroom for? They're kind of telling us yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like there's still got to be pictures of fucking Spielberg. No, he's got those in his dresser drawer right next to his bed for the moment. In case he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's scared, he can just pull one out and look at it and make himself feel right again. You know, center himself by looking Spielberg deeply in his photographed eyes in a glossy 8 by 10 That's weird. Super weird. No, I agree with you, but this, you know, Dawson, I feel like he gets a little weird. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Unless he starts stalking Spielberg in the dark universe. So in this universe, um, Joey is telling Pacey about how this AJ guy is coming out there. And Pacey's kind of freaking out. Oh, yeah. You can like, tell he's not okay with it. No, yeah. He's like, he's like, ah, this isn't good. I'm getting super jelly, and this isn't good. I think it's a big part of why he can't remember his lines for the play. Because he's so stressed about out about the AJ thing, he can't focus on the lines. If that weren't going on, like if he and, if he and Joey were dating at the moment, and he was running lines with her, you know, the way he and Andy used to study together, and he'd go in and ace the test. If he and Joey were dating and they were running lines, he'd be super confident. That's why he says to her in the scene, he's like, I can only remember my lines when I'm running them with you. So when he's confronted with the fact that elderly AJ is coming in from out of town to take her to a fancy college party with a bunch of people way older than even he is, where they're just doling out mead to 16-year-old girls, no questions asked, even though AJ does dump it out, good for him. But no, Pacey's losing it, and he's trying to talk her out of it. He's like, oh, he's just an operator. He's going to come in, he's going to say you're beautiful, he's going to, like, offer to take, put your coat on for you, he's going to do something else too, and he does every single one of the things that Pacey predicts, and his jaw just, like, drops. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. But it really doesn't go all that well for AJ, because he gets her to the party and like whatever it's fine they go for a walk on the beach and things are getting a little bit weirder well well it was weird the way okay so like aj's like hey so like you want to go for a walk and i didn't write exactly what joey said but it was weird about what about going for the walk it was just a weird response. Well, I, I didn't write down what she said either. I just have she looks uneasy about it. Like, the look on her face was not like, I'm comfortable with this. Well, it just, it was it was weird to me that she's like, she just had a weird way of saying sure, is what I wrote. Yeah, no, I didn't catch that. But, well, she's so obvious about it, too, even beyond that. Because when he does kiss her later, immediately afterwards, she's like, oh, I just remembered I have to go meet someone. And he's like, right now? She's like, yeah. And so they roll. Well, and it doesn't seem like she was, like, super later on. It doesn't seem like it was, like, a bad decision. 
No, I just think she was freaked out about it. And she kind of explains why later. Because when she shows up at the party, uh, the after party, she's talking to Pacey right away. And he's like, well, why are you here? And she's just giving this like long conversation. He just looks at her and goes, oh, he kissed you. And she's like, how the, f- like, what, why would you say that? And he's like, well, A, he'd be a moron not to kiss you. And B, your lipstick is smeared all over your face, which is just patently false. They didn't kiss enough for yeah, the lip- there was no lipstick smeared anything. And then, and then Joey's all like, oh man, it's all Betsy's fault because she gave me some fucking sort of, I don't know, banana smash fucking lip, st- lip gloss. Are you sure it wasn't white grape lip gloss? I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was maybe blueberry. Here's an interesting thing about that conversation that Joey says, though. They're talking about, like, having feelings for people. And she very much says that she used to feel a certain way about Dawson. But she doesn't anymore. And that's when Pacey's kind of like, oh, I don't know, man. Maybe, you know, feelings. And I think she might even say, like, I don't know if I can feel that way. And that's when Pacey's like, I don't know. You might be surprised. Like, laughing to himself that he's talking yeah. about falling in love with her. Like, Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, my God, why am I falling in love with but her? But then over her shoulder, he sees AJ, and he's like, well, hold on, you're not, you might not be over yet. Like, go talk to AJ. And that's where she talks about, like, why she kind of freaked out. Is like, she thinks that he's way too smart. She thinks he's way too smart for her. And she's intimidated yeah. by him. She's like, I don't know anything you're talking about like i'm confused i'm lost and he's like man i don't know everything i don't know anything about beautiful girls like and okay i didn't think aj was an operator up until he dropped that line and i'm like you come on motherfucker like you're just gonna call her beautiful and that's gonna work i mean kind of did kind of did we don't know that's the thing we kind of cliffhang on that relationship after this episode we don't really hear about aj again yeah, it's real fucking weird. I mean, like... Again, it makes sense. He was just in Cape Side for that event, and he's got to go back to Boston to college. Like, I get why he's not there. Yeah, I get but, it. But, like, nothing even, like, it's not even discussed. I Yeah, it's like, you don't make any mention of it, and what the fuck is going on? So that, that pretty much handles what the fuck happened to Joey throughout that whole thing. I mean, really, as far as the other shit in this episode, like... We find out again that Dawson dropped film class. Nikki's not happy about it. Joey is surprisingly, like, cool about what's going on. Like, for Joey, maybe it's because of the freak. Dawson's cool? No, I'm talking about Joey's being pretty cool about it. Maybe it's because she freaked out on him in the room the other night, and then they fucking hashed it out. But, like, by this episode, they're just kind of walking around talking about it right before Nikki comes up and freaks out. And Joey's just kind of like... Hey, man, as long as, like, you're doing what you think is going to make you happy. Like, that's cool. It's just not how Joey usually is towards Dawson. And we see in the next episode, she fucking is such a possessive, controlling... Like, she's real weird in the next episode. Although I get her motivations. It is too much. But she's not... She's cray-cray. She's not doing that JJ. (laughs) So we get Dawson kind of floats through the episode later and we see him show up. He's the one who finds Pacey when he shows up late for the play because he misses, like, the first 15 minutes of the performance. They have to send his understudy in. He's shooting hoops, freaking out about AJ. Dawson comes in. Pacey makes a crack about, oh, last time we were on a basketball court together, I think I broke my nose. Like, ah, ha, 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 that was the fucking jerking off in the locker room episode, which is still just so weird to think back on oh my god but he's like like he's like dawson how are you not freaking out about this shit right now with aj when he brings it up dawson misses his basket 
Yeah, but he doesn't really seem to care. No, because he's... He's kind of like... He's like, you pointed it out to me already in the dance episode. Someone else was going to come along, like you said. I gotta be, yeah. I gotta be cool about it. So, I think... So, the... There's a really uncomfortable... I mean, it's not uncomfortable, but it was uncomfortable for me. Uncomfortable scene for me where Henry is, like, in the rafters doing this, like, reciting these lines from the play to Jen in, like, the after party. And I'm like, this is embarrassing as fuck. Okay. Why would you do this? Henry shows... Since they brought Henry back, I think they made him a pretty strong and sympathetic character. Not to say that he wasn't before, but especially since they brought him back. And he was like, he kind of stood up to Jen and said, I don't like the way you make me feel. You need to consider how you treat me and how you really feel. And we'll figure this thing out. But when they bring him up in here, he's getting back to that weird kind of lovesake stalker-ish, like, this isn't cute kind of thing. That I don't know, maybe he was meant to be cute, but, like, he's so whiny about, like, oh, you're breaking off the date with me. Oh, you're breaking off the date with me. He's literally running away from her through the halls of the high school. Literally being chased by Jen because he doesn't want to have her break off the date with him later which isn't even what's happening well she's yeah it's a little weird and throughout this three pack like in the next episode especially jen explains to him when she goes to see him at the hospital she's like dude like i like you you like me just let's be ourselves and not try to like go crazy. Let's not forget. With this. Let's not forget where that wisdom came from, though, and that was from Graham's, because Jen comes back from that date and she's like, "Oh, I don't think we're having another one. It sucked." And Graham's is like, "You need to think about dates a little bit differently, girl. Like maybe the problem here is he's acting the way that he thinks you want him to, instead of like himself." And Jen's like, "Oh shit." I think we're kind of both doing that, actually. Fuck. So after Jen shows up with the surprise Grams on the date and then puts Grams in between them in the seating arrangement, after after party afterwards, that's when Henry gets up in these fucking rafters doing that embarrassing shit you're talking about. Yeah, that was fucked up. That was harder to watch than Seth Cohen getting up on the fucking coffee cart and declaring his love. Like... Because this felt almost suicidal, and he demanded that she, like, admit that he was, she was in love with him and running away from it. Like, you can't demand a motherfucker to say something, even if it's true. Yeah, it was weird. But in the end, they end up walking home, and they kiss. So... Yeah, I mean, it it works out for Henry somehow. Well, like, apparently he's got this childlike honesty... That Jen's like, I don't think anyone has that shit. And he's like, oh, no, I do. And she's like, well, you do, don't you? She's the one who kisses him, though, because he's like, oh, yeah, you got it, too. Just say what's in your heart right now. And that's when she kisses him. It's like, oh, that's cute. So <laughs> that's that's where they end up. All right, just a couple more things I wanted to say about Dawson specifically before I'm done in this episode. He lost his smile. <laughs> Very HBK of him, yes. Dawson Michaels, Sean Leary. I definitely wrote down that definitely that Dawson lost his smile, and that's what he tells Joey at the B and B when he's waiting for. Her. Well, what he says what, that was one of the things I was going to bring about Dawson was that scene is he says specifically that he feels lost right now, and Joey's reaction it's perfect, Joey, because it's got that biting 
like, you know, Joey tone, but it's very honest. She's like, well, how did you think you were going to feel when you pulled all that shit off your walls and said that you were going to try to find yourself? Like, no shit you feel lost, Dawson. Like, and I, I think yeah. he, I think you probably needed to hear that to kind of put it in perspective. Like, you can't expect to be on a journey for yourself and not feel lost when you first start doing it. That's part of the deal. Now you got to figure it out, dude. Well, I'm like... Joey had always said that Dawson's house was like true north and he asked her what her true north is because like a true narcissist he doesn't ever listen to anybody unless it really pertains to him and she's like you know I don't think I have one no yeah that's what she says right now in contrast to that though and this is the other thing I want to bring up about Dawson is in a conversation he was having with Nikki at the after party where he was saying like okay so I'm I'm not the kid that couldn't understand this couple making out at Jurassic Park when I was seeing it in theaters. But I'm also not the adult that that adult said I would grow up to be when he said you'll understand one day, kid. Where I'm in the movie theater doing the making out. And he's like, I'm not really happy doing what I'm doing right now either. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. And Nikki's like, well, you just need to think about the last time that you... You had that happiness. Like, what was going on then? And who does he look at as soon as she says that? Joey. So I think there's a little implication that Dawson's like, okay, if if anything is going to be constant in my life right now while I'm trying to figure everything else out, I'm going to do the opposite of what Joey wanted to do, which was get rid of me while she found herself. Like, I need to use, she's my true fucking north. And while I'm trying to figure everything else out, she needs to be my constant because we firmly address in this episode, the Pacey looking out for her request that he makes. And that seems to, at this point, kind of be off the table. That's not quote unquote necessary anymore. Like not saying that Dolph's like, you can stop hanging out now, but he's like, no, yeah, they've pretty much formed a type. on Right. They, 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 we'll talk about that in the third episode, but they very much established that like those two are legit friends outside of that request now. So Dawson, And Joey even says at one point in one of these episodes, it was in the last one, he's like, we're different people than we were then. So, like, that doesn't really apply anymore. So I think Dawson might be kind of thinking, like, I need a little more Joey in my life than I've been having all year. Which, to me, is unfortunate. What's up with Nikki, dog? Why don't you go hang out with Nikki? He could just be saying, I want to bring Joey back in my life as a friend. Because she was always there as a friend and a pretty big constant until he's all like, Man, I could sling. Oh, I'm not saying romantically. Some, I'm saying just like some D and up inside J. But I don't know. And ever since then, it's been kind of weird for him. So, do you have anything else to say about um about that episode before we move on? Uh, Joey was just kind of weird the whole time. Well, yeah, she was on a date with someone that was inappropriate for her. She should have felt weird. He should have felt weird. Everyone should have felt weird. Henry should have felt weird. The people weird. at the party should have felt oh, weird. Oh, you know they were feeling just as embarrassed as you were feeling sitting there. Well, the people that weren't just openly laughing at him that are. Or that is. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it was a decent episode. It was fine. But. It was fine. Fuck it. Let's get on to the next. Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, Dawson's trying to teach Joey how to drive stick, and he fucking sucks at teaching, apparently. Yeah, so this, it's funny how, like, it starts and ends with Joey learning how to drive a clutch and with two different teachers, and one she's able to do it seamlessly, and the other one, it's just, like, not working at all. 
Well, they show that Dawson is very aggravated very quickly and he shows it. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot of patience for the teaching game. Whereas Pacey is definitely the kind of guy who's going to teach a girl how to drive sick. That's the kind of guy Pacey Witter is. You know that even before this moment. If you were to ask Dawson or Pacey, which one is going to successfully teach anyone else how to drive stick? I'm going to say it's just going to be Pacey. I don't know. It just It makes more sense to me that he'd be that guy. Dawson doesn't seem like a teacher. He's too fucking self-absorbed to be teaching anybody anything. How do you not get this, man? Like, I get it. It's so easy. Why can't you just get it? Are you stupid, man? Oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. Just drive stick, stupid. I feel like that's not Dawson at all. Of course it's not. That's just the voice in my head that I hear when I see him being that way. Your stereotypical stoner voice talking to someone like they're an idiot. Um, so it's weird because Joey and uh, AJ are apparently dating, and that's referenced. It's that they're dating in this episode? Yeah. I didn't catch... I felt like there was a reference that AJ and Joey were, like, dating. I think... I, I don't remember see, hearing that, and it might have been drunk Pacey saying something about it while he was saying something no, about it everything. it was at the beginning, in the beginning scene. Oh, I don't remember hearing anything about... Did Joey say they were dating, or was it one of the guys saying something? So it was one of the guys, and you can't take that for gospel. I think it was Joey saying something in relation oh because yeah it was because it's valentine's day right aj it's like well what's aj and he's like she's like oh he's got some sort of midterm crisis or something like that Uh that doesn't mean they're dating they're just hanging out still well they were asking about valentine's day because it's valentine's day why aren't they going out that doesn't, like, mean oh, that because of his that doesn't mean that they're dating though as we've already discussed henry uh, henry and jen aren't dating here they're this is their first date but they're not dating i think it's the same situation with aj and and joey right now like i don't think they're boyfriend and girlfriend they're still just figuring it out i haven't heard the term boyfriend or girlfriend used yet Usually this show makes a point of using those words when it's official yeah i mean you're right on that i'm just saying the implications this show's all about the implications dog but you've got to hear the words for it to be real otherwise it's all just subtext yeah yeah, yeah. but well i mean you know the implication so they just <laughs> can you do that again with the eyebrow the implication okay with the, the stare too it's too much uh sorry for those that are not viewing this podcast so they just which would be everybody. sure except for us right now so they just introduced Matt Caulfield out of whole cloth. They just create him out of nowhere. Here's this dude who's throwing this anti-Valentine's Day party. Gotta be like 26. See, dude, I wrote down 30. That The first time we see Matt Caulfield, I'm like, what is this predator doing? This middle-aged predator doing at the, at the school right now? He looks a little bit younger to me when they show him in the disciplinary hearing uh, in the next episode. Or is it this episode? No, it's next episode. When they show him the disciplinary thing for the first time, he looks... All right, I'll give him maybe 26 there. But the first time I saw him, I'm like, 30, 35? What's up with this dude? But no, he just... Another rich, privileged motherfucker, except this guy's a real scumbag. Like, you take the worst of the... What was his name? Chris? The rich guy? Yeah. You take the worst of him... And only the worst of him, and you turn that shit up to 11. And that's what we get from Matt Caulfield. An unrepentant scumfuck that they make a real scumfuck. Just through the basis of the next episode alone, 
crime and punishment, you see that this guy just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, it's a real uh, bad situation. One note was really bad when Jack was trying to say the phrase, I know Kung Fu. Because the way he said it was, I know Kung Fu. Like, it's King Kong. Yeah. You caught that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there's one last thing that I wanted to mention about the last episode. Oh, okay. I think Jack even mentions, he's like, don't ever mention how I planned this party because it was running seamlessly. Oh, yeah. He was like, don't make a comment about how my people are good at throwing parties at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. And Andy was just kind of like, fine, I won't. (laughs) Like It's just kind of like... I don't know. It was a weird thing to say, I guess. Maybe not. It was funny. I did laugh at it. No, it was really funny. No, but Jack, uh, Jack's the connection on this thing because he's the football player who knows the football guys who gets them the password. And then Crafty Pacey figures out the location by running up to Doug and pretending to want to do a ride-along. And Doug's like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Why would you want to do a ride-along? But ends up revealing he's staking out the golf course later. And Pacey's like, gotta go! Gotta go to the golf course. Hit a late nine. Oh, it was so, like, I love that thing. He just shows up. And that's where I'm like, oh, shit, oh, Doug. He's just coming up, running at him out of nowhere. Like, Doug just gets introduced back in. And he ends up, okay, we'll talk about how he ends up later at the golf course. So we get another new character. We get two new characters in this episode alone. In Matt Caulfield and Kate Douglas. Coming in. Coming in from out of town. Jack's ex-girlfriend. Coming in after her... To be perfectly honest, both of these characters are throwaway characters, oh, you, so yeah. they mean nothing after this uh, uh, three-pack. So you don't... Which, really, for them, a two-pack. Do you put them in contention for any sort of spin-off talk? No, I put Cofield in, like... I say, if we're to, like, extend this universe, that character will be in prison in, like, the next five years. Maybe, maybe not. You never know. Or CEO. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, one or the other, one or the other. And it's all going to depend on how blatantly he murders the person that he ends up killing. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to fuck up because he paints himself into a corner in this one. Yeah, he's real stupid, but this is how a kid in high school learns to hone those crafts. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. But we'll see because by, we'll see his fate by the end of the next episode. This episode... It all depends on how many sex workers he strangles. But this episode, we focus more on the kind of party that he's throwing where he's inviting the sex workers to... I mean, that's pure speculation. I don't know. But there were a lot of motherfuckers hanging out on a golf course. And they put... There was, like, a lot of people they, out they there. They put together a whole hell of a, like, setup of lights and music. And, I mean, no wonder they got busted. see... How you think that party's going to last? I think that they know it isn't going to last. I think that's part of the fun for a person like Matt Caulfield because he knows he can get away with it. And for everyone else who shows up, it's not their party and the thrill of running away from the cops. Like, I think for some people that's part of it. You think you're going to get away. Because what do they send out? Obviously they send out more than just Dougie for that, but all they show us is Dougie out there. Well, how many cops do you think this town has? Not enough to handle... How big is this Not town? enough to handle that kind of party and arrest as many people as they show that they arrested. Honestly, if I had to guess for real, they make it seem like it's supposed to be this small town. But I found out that people have a lot of different interpretations of what small town means. I wouldn't be surprised if this Cape Side is supposed to have fifteen to 20,000 people in it. That seems like a lot of people, I think. Twelve to 15,000 doesn't seem unreasonable. 
in the amount of time that I have watched this show, it has not come off to me as such. If I had to hazard a real guess, I'd say seven to eight. If you're going to put me on the spot and say, what's your final answer? Seven to eight max. Yeah, I would say no more than ten. I go, I go for that. Because if you look at the, the football field stands during the games, even if they were bad, like high school kids still show up to party at football games, but this shit was empty. So it could be reason yeah. that it's even smaller than that. But you look at the kind of amenities and shit that they have there, and it's definitely meant to deal with a larger influx of people. A lot of that probably has to do with tourism. People coming in and staying in town because it's on the water in a very nice temperate part of the world when it's not hurricane season but none of that really matters in the end because they go to this party and it's this battle between pacey and joey over dawson's soul is kind of how they play it they even mention the devil and the angel on the shoulder thing yeah it was i'm sitting here kind of stupid i'm sitting here going joey what the fuck dude like i understand you have these concerns but why you gotta be so blatantly open about it and a, such a jerk off about it on top of that like Dawson even kind of loses his cool later and he doesn't do that a whole lot and he, like re- more recently and he's like you gotta just let me make my own mistakes like I'm sick yeah. of this shit you gotta just back off I don't think she likes hearing that <laughs> no how can anybody like hearing that but at the same time like you can't you can only learn from other people's mistakes so much. She was mad that he got drunk and was going to kiss a girl he just met who was also drunk. Didn't even kiss her because she puked right before he went for it after she basically said, Hey, green light, 100%, you can do this. Like, the only way this isn't going to happen is if you don't do this. So go ahead and do this. Like, seriously, it was so... I'm sitting there going, Dawson, how have you not picked up on this already? You're drunk. You should be more perceptive when it comes to this lingo right now because you're not hammered. He clearly still had it in him to talk and be Dawson. But she's... He, yeah, it was... I don't know. It was pretty funny. It was, it was a weird episode for everyone in this because then Pacey, when they all go to jail, is just a jerk. And I'm not saying he's... Maybe he is kind of wrong because he's just sick of seeing Dawson and Joey not being able to fucking figure it out because he knows until they figure it out his feelings for Joey are going to be an issue for somebody. That's what he thinks. He even says it to Dougie. He's like, I can't say anything, because if I do, it would be the end of the world. It'd be the fucking apocalypse. Nothing would survive if I acted on my feelings. He's convinced of that, because Dawson and Joey need to figure it out. They need to get together, or they need to get the fuck apart. But until they do yeah, that, Pacey feels stuck. Because Andy calls out Joey. Oh, yeah. In this episode, and she's all like, you know, it's funny. You sound a lot like me right before started dating Pacey. Well, they're just sitting there talking about how I think Joey describes him as like a puppy who destroys everything in a room and then just looks up at you like, well, what did you expect? I'm a puppy. And how you, you know, you kind of swoon for that sort of thing. And that's when Andy makes that comedy. You sound a lot like me right before we started dating. And we don't get to explore that topic, though, because that's when Doug comes up and he's like, stop the golf cart, ladies. And, yeah. and then that's when Doug, he finds Pacey upside down doing a beer bong. Or no, consuming alcohol somehow upside down after everyone ditches him. He finds Dawson right after the girl pukes. 
So, well, even Dawson says he's like, the universe is conspiring against me. And it's. Sh- yeah, it was. It sure feels like it here. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I mean, he waited and waited and waited. Oh, no, I don't disagree. Uh, well, okay, so what's the alternative? They made out for a couple of minutes and then she puked in his mouth? She was puking eventually. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a good thing that he did wait. <laughs> She's going to puke I'm eventually. Just so. The whole thing with Jack this episode is he is supposed to tell his ex-girlfriend that he's gay, but she reveals her recently new ex-boyfriend just came out. And he's like, oh, fuck, this dude just stole my thunder. And it's going to be really weird if I say the same thing. No, I don't know how to do this. But by the end, she ends up being like, oh, shit, you're gay, too. Okay. (laughs) But she's like, you were really good at having sex, though. Well, she doesn't say those words, but. No, she basically does say those words. She's just like, she's like, but we. And he's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, you were good. Oh, you're so good, Jack. And Jack's like, shit, I know. No, he was more like, thanks. (laughs) He's like, I know, man. Thank you. Don't tell my sister this. And Andy's like, I am literally sitting right here. So the whole time this shit's going on, Jen... Or Henry is selling his blood. He convinces this nurse by just playing on her loneliness on Valentine's Day to break what I'm assuming is the law and donate <laughs> blood in a time frame that is not what I'm going to say is legal. Yeah, and, she's, and she even said, she's like, hey, uh, you need to get some rest. Yeah, after she agrees to take out the fourth pint of blood, she says you should go home and get some rest before your date. Are you fucking crazy? Look at this kid. He looks like a junkie because he's got four pints of blood taken out of his body. I don't... All right, listen, I'm making up numbers here. I could be wrong, but I think you only got like nine or ten in your body. I have no idea how much blood you have. Neither do I. But you know what? I'm like a vampire. I need my blood inside me. No, vampires need everyone else's blood inside them. Well, I mean, if I'm going to be giving blood away, I need other people's blood back inside me. No, 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 because you donate the recommended amount and your body just makes more. That's how it works. Oh. That's why it's okay. It's not like it's not like they take... Like, what did you think? There was a finite... So I, got like, I got like mad money and blood? So let me ask you a question. Did you think that like you've only got... Like a bottle of water, so much blood in your body, and every time you get cut and you lose a little bit of blood. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why. So, like, some t- at some like point, why in your someone life, would think that they need to keep getting blood inside them. Well, but maybe I was like, maybe it makes are you sense. Talking about like I Richard Chase. Yeah. Okay, that was a mental illness. I'm pretty sure called Cotard's disease. So that would explain well, I, that. Yeah, I'm just trying to say. Well, what happens if like. It was like someone who didn't have mental illness. But this is, that's just the fucking, someone who loves drinking blood. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Vampires, quote unquote. Well, and that's not the problem here. The problem is Henry's trying to get blood out of his body for that fatty. Fat, fatty. Yeah, and he's trying to buy those Hungarian horntail rings. Which he ends up doing, and he gives it to her while he's being stretchered out of the restaurant after he passes out. Uh, Take it take it i sold my blood to buy this yeah and she fucking ends up after not loving it comes around and loves it you know like i appreciate the effort but like you brought up earlier let's just be ourselves now let's kind of ease into this thing yeah. not not put so much pressure on this shit well she reveals that this is her first first date it's her first date on any valentine's day ever 
I'm like, girl, you should have thought about that before you agreed to this being the day that you went on your first big date after you put up such a strong resistance to going on a date at all. Why would you put that extra pressure on there, man? Well, it, I don't know. It's kind of good for her to be nervous about it, it I think. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. In the end, it ends up working out for her because you could tell from the beginning she's not nervous because she thinks it's going to go bad. She's nervous because she knows it's going to go well. And it ends up not going well, which throws her for a loop entirely. But that's when Graham steps in with her fucking wisdom. It's like, you just go back. You got to approach this from a different angle. And that's how we end up with that cute little jello moment at the end. So two, so far in this three-pack, those two have a real nice ebb and flow, even if there are some really embarrassing moments along the way. Yeah, I, I just hope that the embarrassing moments come down for Henry. We'll find out. You know there's going to be more moments, but let's see if he can get his act together and kind of learn to chill out. I got two more things I want to say about this episode. Uh, it's funny, too, because I even wrote down, Henry is not looking good. Going to pass the fuck out because he's given too much blood. And then, uh, yeah, like two two sentences later, like two like bullet points later, I'm all like, whoop. Henry passed out. Well, Jen going to the hospital. Jen points it out immediately. Rings. When he come when he comes to pick her up, she immediately goes, "You're looking kind of peaked. Is everything okay?" He looks again. He looks like a junkie. He's completely depleted of his fucking life's energy. Yeah, he needs to get some more blood. All right, let's talk about something you brought up earlier. We get a very, very, very super unbelievably casual confirmation of the restaurant being open. The last time we heard about this was the first time we'd heard about the restaurant in over a season. And all it was was the delivery of a, a, a card with an address and I'm assuming a phone number on it and the remembrance of a dream that belonged to Gail and then her looking at that building. And then a couple episodes yeah. later, here's Mitch hiring Dawson for this restaurant. We haven't even seen Gail. Gail has nothing to do with this, but we know this restaurant exists now. The restaurant's back, baby. No, well, I guess and that's it his exists. Crime and punishment. I think that's a good punishment for Mitch. For Mitch, honestly, like it, you want to call it's not even a punishment. It's Dawson. But at Just the get same time, job. like if I'm Dawson, I'm like, do I have to quit working at the video store? Because I mean, like, I assume he still works there. The last they showed us, he was still working there. But maybe uh, it feels like that's a super part-time gig somehow. Like, I don't know how they work things over there, but they don't show it very often. It doesn't really factor in. Like, Dawson's never like, oh, shit, sorry, I can't come. I got work tonight. It shows up yeah, when maybe, it's convenient. Well, and that's why I don't understand how that works. Do they have, like, just 15, like, kids on file? That's what I'm saying. They got 15 kids that or work like five hours eight, a week. Like, seven. They got, like, eight. Yeah, they got like 16 kids or something. Or 16 people. Or No, they got like one person who works during the day. Now, hold on, Nelly. Like, Nelly still works there. She's just taking all the shifts. Didn't her dad own the place? Yeah, I think so. Boom. She's just taking all the shifts, man. She's going to she's gonna be the manager. She's going to own that store one day. Well, I mean, that store might go out of business one day. It might. It might not. Maybe it gets bought out. Maybe it gets bought in. Let's talk about one more. Turns to a blockbuster because I know in one of these episodes. Oh, it's this episode where Joey uh -huh. says she make, wants to make it a blockbuster night. And Pacey's like, well, who's going to drive you there? Because we're going to a party. But it's the last thing I want to talk about. And we've already talked about is when Pacey. And she can't drive. Pacey shows up the next day and he's like, listen, Joey, I'm sorry. All the shit I said yesterday was no good. 
you know, I was just worried about you. I'm worried about all this. And she's like, well, I'm worried about you too. And I'm kind of worried that no one else is worried about you right now, even yourself. So like, what the fuck? Like she shows genuine concern for him too. So again, you're seeing more of that. Joey's not, she's not come to the conscious. She also says to him at some point during this conversation, Mm -hmm. you got to learn to read between the banter, Pacey. Yep. Yep, because she's never going to come out and just say what she's feeling. That's her saying, like, if you think I'm saying it, that means I'm saying it. I'd be like, you just got to fucking say it. Like, it feels like in this scene he was going there to confess his feelings for her. And right before he offers his lessons that finally get her successful at driving, he's sitting there like, the look on his face is I'm going to tell you I love you right now. But then he stops. And I was like, oh, good call, Pacey, because this is not the time nor the place. Because she doesn't know it yet. She's still sorting yeah. out. You can tell. She's she's tiptoeing through the tulips. But she has not plucked them yet. That's all I got to say about that one. Yeah. Um, well, I, I did write down like when Doug and uh, Pacey have that conversation. Like Doug specifically even says he's like, he's like, never lose the butterflies. And, you know, he's like, he's like, the older you get, the more likely it is you're going to lose them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... He's like, you know, people that give you butterflies don't come around too often. So, like, you got to react. And that's where Pacey gets out of jail the next morning. Because everyone else gets bailed out by Mitch. Except for Pacey, because Pacey's dad thinks it'll do him some good to spend the night in the clink. So that's when him and Dougie have that conversation and where he shows up at the B&B the next morning. Where he's kind of got that, like, I'm going to tell her how I feel because Dougie's right. The butterfly shit, like... I gotta, I gotta make make some action happen. But then he kind of realizes I got caught up in the moment. Maybe I should hold back for a second. So the next episode starts out with something I think you'd express concern about would be dropped. And I guess she kind of brings it up before when she's talking to AJ. But like her interest in art and her doing art, because that's kind of been something that fell off of her radar for a while. And you were like, yeah, but are they just going to introduce this art shit and then it's just going to disappear again one day? And that's kind of what they did after making a big deal about it for a while. Yeah. But she mentioned it before to AJ when she was talking about like not knowing when she, what she wants to do with her future. But she's like, I used to be into art for a while, but I don't know. But right here we open up. And when he's like, what, do you not like art anymore? And she's like, nah, I still like art. Like. I just don't know. But yeah, also, after I was like super getting into art, my dad went back to jail for selling drugs. So that kind of fucked me up a little bit. And like I lost my best friend that I was totally in love with and he didn't want to have sex with me and blah, blah, blah. Like I get, but also at the same time, like get them feelings out through your art, Joey. Which she's doing, all right, maybe she's not getting her feelings out like that through this artwork, but she's been commissioned by the school to do like a unity mural, which is... As Pacey says when he comes up and, and sees what she's doing, he's like, well, I think they were thinking like Minutemen and like the mascot and like, you know, typical rah-rah, sis boomba, high school spirit unity shit. And she's up there doing like Chinese symbols for unity and like bamboo, like something totally more abstract when you think of in terms of a high school unity mural. I think it was Possibility. That's what it was. Possibility, not unity. It was possibility. But yeah, Pacey comes up to her here painting, and that's where they kind of talk about, she thinks that she sees a higher purpose for this. And that's where I'm like, you are a fucking pretentious ass artist, Joey. You need to just own it. Like, just buy into it. You could be the same kind of painter that Dawson was as a filmmaker before he got his ego crushed. But that comes up here. But that comes up here when Dawson... Because what happens... 
is this fucking mural gets vandalized. And it ends up being Matt Caulfield, right? And it's not like... It, it gets vandalized by basically just like a bunch of black all over it. it. It's destroyed enough that it's not like you could just see what it was. No, it's definitely destroyed. I'm just trying to oh. paint the picture for our listeners that it wasn't like... Jack's Locker? It wasn't slurs. Exactly. It There wasn't any terrible symbols. It was just it was a bunch of black paint all over it so after that happens like it's terrible they go to do the unveiling we see that and joey runs out dawson and pacey chase her out and dawson's like it's just a pure act of vandalism it wasn't anything personal and pacey's like are you fucking kidding me this was definitely personal why wouldn't it be personal so there's kind of some tension that's going on between them there and then joey's just like i wish both of you would just stay the fuck out of this and storms storms out of there well and they didn't really even bring this up, but could there be the correlation that as soon as Andy and Joey left the party, uh, it got raided by the police? Well, Dougie caught them first. Yeah, coming coming away from it. Well, yeah. So I think they were leaving well, the party. They were dri- I don't think they were going to leave because Andy was the designated driver. Maybe she was going to take... Well, that's what she said. Well, but- why would she not be that? Andy's the designated driver. She's the designated driver. Why the fuck would she lie about that? So she doesn't have to drink? She didn't drink. And so she's going to be the designated driver because everyone else but Joey was drinking. You tell me Andy... Come on. She's 30 years old, man. She's like a mom. She's going to take care of all of them. <laughs> she's like 30 years old. <laughs> no, her haircut in this set of episodes, and maybe even before I didn't notice, made her look like she was 30 trying to play 18. And it was weird. It was weird because I know she's 30 here. So, but to what we were saying with the having your ego crush thing, Dawson shows up at the B&B later and they end up getting this big ass argument about like, she doesn't have the time that he has to just search for his passion. She's got responsibilities and shit to take care of and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what? Listen, I think that you are relieved that your shit was vandalized because you didn't have to go through finding out what other people thought about it and if it was good or if it was bad and especially if it was bad how it would make you feel like i think you you didn't like that pressure and you're glad that it's off your fucking shoulders and he's like by the way i got the keys to the high school from the principal so if you want to go fix this shit like be my guest and he storms out yeah it was pretty good i don't know like i think he was being a bit over the top both of them in this scene I, i get why he's in this three-pack especially, he had his moments where he's acting out a little bit like old Dawson. And it makes sense because he's quote-unquote lost at the moment. But it's just kind of shocking to see it come back after it's been gone for a while now. I think it makes sense to react that way, especially in relation to Joey. I agree. I agree. So all along while this is going on, Pacey's doing some detective work and he's trying to find out who the fuck did this shit and he walks up to some kids in the cafeteria line who talk to him like they clearly know each other and it just kind of dawned on me for a second like so apparently there are other people in this high school with casual enough relationships and friendly enough relationships with our heroes that we don't ever see that he could just walk up to him and they'd call him pacey like they know who he is and they're friendly with each other I, well, I don't ever I think mean, about like, that. I was friendly with people that I went to high school with that were in my class that 
I just don't. I, I know. Weren't like friends with. I'm just saying it's not something they really show us in this show. Are those little interactions with other people that show that they do interact with other people? How often do we see that? Unless it's supposed to be some sort of enemy, like Matt or Abby. Like that's usually you meet someone new. Well, they're because a problem. that's not good TV. It's not drama. But you could still use them for shit like this more often. These little side. I don't know. I, this is a little. It doesn't matter. I don't really care. I just, I thought it was interesting to see that. Like, it just made me realize, oh shit, Pacey and all these people, but especially Pacey, has got to be that guy who's so many dudes started loving Pacey and high-fiving him in the hallways back when he was boning Miss Jacobs. He probably retained a lot of those casual friendships along the way. Oh, I'm sure he did, because it's not like, yeah, it's not like those people are all of a sudden like, oh, well, I mean, Pacey ain't shit now. It's because, I mean, like, if anything, they're all like, oh, dude, Pacey went from, like, banging Miss Jacobs to, like, banging this super hot chick who ended up, like, kind of having a breakdown. And, like, like a lot of people saw how he handled her, her mom in that grocery store or something like that. And, like... Okay, Dude, I'm sure I, a lot of people. I'd say I'd say at best two that, dozen like, people. He handled two dozen. that pretty well. Of course, word gets around. We've already covered this is a it's a gossip heavy town. Oh, I don't think the word that got around was that Pacey handled it well. The word that got around was Mrs. McPhee is a fucking nut job with a side of oh, and no, that, Pacey, saying, that Pacey kid was well, there. Yeah, but like no one remembers that. No one cares know, about man. that. That's not a moment that people remember in the Pacey Witter highlight reel, especially high school kids. Maybe parents do, but that's not part of it. Him banging the teacher, top of the fucking I list. Him, that. him spitting in the teacher's. Oh yeah, him, definitely on, him banging the teacher him, is definitely top of the list. Him spitting in the teacher's face, fucking top of the list. Kids. Oh that yeah, shit. that's like, huge up there too. You got to think of the context of the shit that Pacey's already done at school. Think about the brawl that he gets into in the parking lot here with Matt Caulfield. I'd put that above the Miss McPhee in the grocery store thing because he legitimately Alabama slams that motherfucker on the concrete. Oh, dude, I was like, oh, shit. I really, like, as soon as Cofield started moving to get up, I was all like, oh, thank. I expected to see. This kid is not dead right now. Yeah, that pool of blood coming from the back of the head, the accidental. Yeah, I was like, that's the worst thing that this show needs right now is someone getting killed in a fucking parking lot brawl. No, he doesn't kill someone in a parking lot brawl and then go to jail. What he does do is be given a mentorship role where he's going to take on some little kid in the community and be his big brother. That That's how Green and punishes him. And Cofield gets expelled. Oh, Alright, so Green kind of breaks it down because throughout this episode, Andy's fretting about coming clean about cheating. She finally comes clean and she expects the worst. She's getting kicked out of school. What we find out about Green is this. He explains it to Andy. He's like, you will benefit from my sympathy and leniency here because you, what you did, you didn't harm anyone else. You only did harm to yourself and you feel regret for it. Because she's like, I'm Matt, I'm like Matt. I'm just as bad as Matt. And he's like, no, but you're not because Matt does harm to other people and doesn't give one single shred of a fuck about it. So you might benefit yeah. from me helping you here. You'll realize you're not going to get this chance every time, so stop it. Matt Caulfield, as he points out later, will get this chance forever because he's a privileged, rich, white dude. Yeah, uh, he, quote, says, I'm white, I'm rich, and that's all the possibility I need. And Principal Green says, you know what, fuck you. You are expelled. 
Principal Green looks disgusted. But he is, though, too. He's like, I'm taking a stand. There's never a point in my life I'm taking a stand is against this motherfucker who blatantly is just flaunting this shit in front of me. Because his response to that is even Especially still. Especially when he's given all the reason to definitely do it. Like, the kid backs himself into a corner earlier when being questioned about it. I couldn't give a crap then, about some stupid Chinese drawing. And he couldn't have known that's what it was unless he'd vandalized it. And yeah, nobody, like Dawson's even like, I didn't even know what it was. Well, as soon as... Like, only Pacey and Joey and whoever might be at the school when she's painting. Because I'm sure there are other people at the school. No, that's it. So in response to the expulsion, Matt goes... Do you have any idea what my father is going to say about this? And Principal Green's like, oh, yeah, I think I got an idea. But Caulfield's like, this ain't over, motherfucker. Like, I'm not expelled. I hope you know that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this just goes away. Well, that's going to be part, because we're closing, we're nearing the end here. And that's going to be part of what I was going to ask you is, do you think we get more Matt Caulfield? Do you think we get more of this, even this particular storyline? Or is Matt Caulfield expelled? And is he gone? Is he going to only show up like, at the wedding at the end at the series finale? Oh, he won't be invited. And like we already said, he'll either be in prison or a CEO. For sure. But let's talk about the last scene. Unless, will you add anything else about this episode before we discuss the last scene? Because it's a beautiful scene. Uh, I don't think so. I'm just browsing right now. Oh, well, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't say uh, Bodie did come back this episode we, we already touched on it but let's bring it up again for joey we did touch on that earlier but this is now during this episode you know he came back this episode after i was so angry during my viewing of it when i watched the first two episodes he's even got a line here uh because it's in the morning before they're going to do the unveiling of the painting and talking about like people's judgment of it or whatever like joey's nervous and he's like Says something about, like, what? Are there, like, ten black kids in that school now? <laughs> like, and what does she say? Eight? I think she says eleven oh, or something. Oh, tw- eleven or twelve, a couple more than he says. Like, he's coming back and he's got the biting social commentary, too. But the last scene is Joey walking up on Pacey, whitewashing the mural so that she can start fresh again. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, yeah, I just figured you could get yourself a blank slate and start all over again. Which is again? I think it says clean, clean canvas. That work. That's more accurate. Um, a clear subtext for I'm offering you a clean slate romantic relationship, and this mural right now is my way of putting that out into the universe without saying it out loud. And he's like, "Are you going to thank me?" And she's like, "What for having a misguided hero complex?" Like it starts out, but then it's kind of like. She's like, no, listen, because her and Dawson had a conversation earlier where she's Pacey reveals the you need to look after her thing. Joey confronts Dawson about it and is like, clearly like, what the fuck? Why did you think that needed to happen? And Dawson's like, after all that's gone on here, after everything that's happened, do you really think that we don't truly care about you? Like, why are you trying to demonize the people who clearly are there for you? This motherfucker is potentially being suspended from school, which could cost him any chance of going to college because he was looking out for your best interest, as misguided as he may have been. Like, he truly, obviously, yeah. he obviously cares for you. Like, what what are you doing? And it, you see, that's the thing about Joey this season. 
When Dawson especially, or anyone, throws a true thing at her, she snaps on it immediately and realizes it and goes, oh shit. Oh, okay, that's right. And that's why at the end here, she ends up being like, I just want to thank you actually for being yourself and being there for me this year when I needed you. And then... (laughs) Then it gets the playful banter back, and she's like, is the only reason you hung out with me because Dawson asked you to? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. And she's like, well, then, yeah, you really need to get a life. Yeah. Dawson walks out of the office for some reason. He's still there. He looks over. He sees them painting with each other, laughing, having a good time. He has himself a little smile, and he walks out of the school. Uh, so I wrote specifically down that uh, Dawson sees them and nods with approval. Oh, you're going with nod? You think that is a nod of approval? Of what? Nod of approval. Of what? From afar. Approval of what? I want to know. Approval of their eventual relationship. Okay. And of this obvious friendship. That's what I want to know. Do you think that nod of approval is a nod of approval for a friendship, which is what he's asked Pacey to do? Or, as you started with, do you think that's a nod of approval for him seeing Dawson? You say Dawson is perceptive enough here to see Dawson or to see Joey and Pacey there, see the romantic rosebud that is beginning to bloom here and himself sees that, acknowledges it and goes, yes, I'm okay with that. That's what you're positing? Yes. That's what I'm throwing out there. Okay. Let's talk about some more things you're going to throw out there with your uh, predictions for episode 16. And I'm going to love what you got for me here. Too green with love. Too green with love. So it's either to Principal Green or to Nikki Green. Or it could be my favorite Chucky B uh, choice. Both. What is going to happen is this. Dawson is actually going to start thinking he's got the hots for Nikki. And so he's going to be like, they're going to be kind of going back and forth with their convos and whatnot. And they are maybe going to go down that road. I don't really know how else to say it without... Just I think we got it. Say they're gonna go on a date. I don't think you maybe. need to. I don't know. I don't think you need to but say. But they it. might not go on a date yet. It might just be leading up to going on a date. Sure. What about Principal Green? And see, that's the exact opposite. So to Green with love, that's kind of like smug and sarcastic because it's fucking gonna be papers put on his desk, challenging his expulsion of one Matthew Cofield from Cape Side. High school. Who's his Maryland. daddy? Who is Matt Caulfield's daddy? Did he say? Fucking Damon Caulfield. Did he say like? Master lawyer extraordinaire. Is he another son of a senator? Um, No, he's the father of a senator. Future senator. Oh, his dad's <laughs> a CEO. Matt is the future senator. Or, or, killer. Or both. Or both. Always or both. That's a Chucky B favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's a Chucky B favorite. Classic. You got anything else for us? Kind of like. Kind of like, you know, Nicolas Cage classics. Oh, it's funny that you say that. You got anything else for us on To Green With Love? Uh, no, I think that's pretty That's pretty good. I mean, like, we're going to get some more uh, so, some more subtle movements, I guess, forward in the Pacey-Joey thing. I feel like it's just going to be subtle movement, subtle movement, subtle movement. Oh, my God, they're dating. 
We'll see if that plays out. Let's hear what you've got to say about episode 17, Cinderella Story. Cinderella Story, baby. Uh, <laughs> so, you know who's having a Cinderella Story? Fucking Hanky. Ooh, our little Hanky? Fucking little Hanky's having a Cinderella fucking story because he's got the girl of his dreams by his side and they're going to prom and it's just... We're going to prom? We're going to prom in the middle fucking, of the season? I don't know where the fuck school is at all right i I never i never like to steer you in any direction let me just tell you right now it's the wrong time to predict prom and we'll i'll leave you there don't blow that load yet (laughs) all right so then i don't really know what the fuck's going on wait what is the show episode called cinderella story oh yeah so it's (laughs) cinderella story baby and it's still gonna be about a little hanky and little hanky's gonna be like man i got everything going great for me and everything continues to go great for him. And it's Cinderella's story. What, all right, let's talk about the obvious Cinderella of the show. And it's not Little Hanky. Surprise, <laughs> surprisingly enough, Joey Potter. What's going on with her? I was going to say Dawson Leary. What? <laughs> yes, that is, I suppose, just as obvious. But uh, I'm just talking about uh, Miss Josephine Potter. What's she doing in Cinderella's story? She's still dating. Oh, she's still she's... dating AJ, like you thought you heard. <laughs> no. Why not? So, this is the this is the true Cinderella story. She's gotta be back by midnight, or else <laughs> she's gonna turn into a pumpkin. No, if she's not back by midnight, Bodie's running away again. Bodie's gone. Oh, he's already gone. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep predicting that he's gone because eventually I'll be right, and it'll be for a long stretch of time. Okay. Do you have anything else for Cinderella Story, or do you want to get the next title, which is e- no, it's equally like, as Cinderella helpful? Cinderella Story, man. Pacey and Joey. It's a Cinderella Story. It's happening this fucking episode. And Dawson is going to be approving so hard, just nodding the entire episode. Okay, so let's talk about what happens in episode 18, or at least the title of it. It's just as helpful. Neverland. So Dawson goes up to Nikki Green and he's all like, All right, so I think I got it. Do you want to go out on a date? And she's like, Neverland. And it just doesn't happen. Okay. All right. So let me ask you one topical question. So Pacey's punishment, mentoring that kid. Do you think we get to see any of that? Oh, yeah. That's got to come up some point during this three pack. Okay. How do you think They're going to go to some sort of, oh, maybe, didn't a Peter Pan movie come out at some point? They're going to go see the movie Neverland in the theaters. I don't think that would have come out at this time. All right. Then they're just going to, I don't know, go to a play called Neverland. Oh, no. They're not going to drink wine and watch Michael Jackson videos, are they? Oh, God. I don't think so. I don't remember that happening, but you never know. So I'm going to say, hopefully that does not happen. Well, I mean, but it's right on par with this show. What? Right on par with this show is having wine and watching what? Michael Jackson? Um, No, no. The implication. of of All right. Well, you can hear about all sorts of implications over at 50randyquates.com. Uh, which last episode I just called 50 Randy Quades. I forgot all about the .com. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Podcast Republic. You can go to Google.com and just type in any words you want. Um, any words. 
Like, that's always an option. I just want to make sure you're all aware of that. It doesn't have to do with 50 or 80 queens. Go to Google. Yeah, if you just go to Google, you can ask it shit. About us or about anything. It doesn't really matter. Like, if you want to ask about... Doc- yeah, you want to know what time 8 o'clock p.m. is in, like, fucking Switzerland? Google it. It's 8 o'clock p.m. It's the same as here. Well, I mean, like, what time is it here, then? Oh, that, it's that I don't know. You know who would tell me? Google. Google? You're fucking right. <laughs> Listen, they're not paying us. Nope. Do they have a podcast thing? Maybe we should pitch them on their own podcast platform and we'll be the top guys. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, they'll be like, uh, no. You can see we've got a lot of appeal. Um, everyone loves to listen to us. They also have to call us. Uh, we revealed the secret number last At 1-900-CREEK-CHAT. Do you know how much it costs? Nine nine nine. That's right. A minute. That's right. Um, Not a month. Who's going to be there to answer? Uh, exclusively me. I've got, or at least someone who claims to be me when it's probably just going to be answered with little clips of all the episodes, like rearranged with a computer. So, and that's the thing. Sometimes it's live Chuck. Sometimes it's someone we're forcing to pretend to be live Chuck. Sometimes it's just some audio we've edited together of Chuck saying some things. And once in a while, I'll pick up the phone. Well, that's not important. That number is 1-900-CREEK-CHAT, 999 a minute. You better believe it. You better be calling it. Yeah. Give it a call just once in a while when you're feeling a little blue like my Detroit Lions jersey. We started with it. We ended with it. Detroit Lions, Joey Harrington, (laughs) R.I.P. He's not dead. (laughs) As far as I know. As far as I know, there we go. But until next time, we we be be creaking. creaking.